0: Urbanization, The Global Narrative. Urbanization is a global trend. From 2000 to 2013, urban populations in the United States increased 13.9%. It's predicted that by the year 2025, 60% of the world's population is expected to experience urbanization and live in a metropolitan area. Yet although urban population growth in the United States seems similar to the process of urbanization occurring around the globe, The United States is experiencing a repopulation of cities, as opposed to the initial migration. There were three significant urban migrations of the 20th century. Urbanization, suburbanization, and now, the subject of this study, urban revitalization. A comparison of urbanization in non-Western countries to the process of urban revitalization in America gives insight to a similar but different relationship between cities and the middle class. It is typical and almost logical for cities to develop centrifugally, with wealth concentrated in the middle of the city center near business districts quote urban migrants are drawn to cities to fill a plethora of newly created industrial jobs further strengthening the economy and spurring economic growth satellite views of morocco brazil and nigeria for example demonstrate that the working class often occupies slums located on the fringe of cities because housing in the city is unaffordable western society but especially the united states has been an anomaly since the erection of the first successful suburb in Levittown, Pennsylvania in 1952. Until recently, the U.S. was the only country in the world with a majority of its middle and upper class citizens living in suburbs outside of major cities. According to the census 2000 special report, quote, by 2000, half of the U.S. population lived in the suburb, End quote. For slum dwellers, on a pursuit for social mobility, residing outside of the city is a logical last resort. Suburbanization of the middle and upper classes in America was a choice. Though urban revitalization has resulted in people moving closer to the urban core, it is not quite urbanization. What looks like urbanization can be a variety of processes. Quote, European and North American societies became urbanized, that is, with 70% or more of their population in urban areas at least two generations ago, but developing Asian societies are in the middle of that process." End quote. Given the various stages in the development of countries, the influx of urban populations occurring around the world is more comparable to the urbanization of the United States in the early 1900s than it is to contemporary urban revitalization. One must not assume that all countries progress at the same rate. America is in a new phase of urbanization. Migration trends are strong indicators of cultural trends. Urban revitalization accompanies a new ethos and lifestyle than the America of the era of urbanization. Post-World War II, the ethos of individualism was inspired by new prosperity and the promise of social mobility for all. Advancements in industrialization motivated rampant consumerism. Consumerism is often mentioned in climate change discourse and commonly criticized as the cause for depleted natural resources and pollution. As global consumerism and global urbanization continue to exacerbate, smartphones and urban revitalization provide convenient and efficient lifestyles for those with access by changing the habits of users and residents. Urban revitalization has occurred, quote, at a time of great economic difficulty. Millennials, end quote. Millennials are Americans born between 1980 and 2003 and are the largest generation of 95 million people surpassing the baby boomer 78 million. The millennial generation is notorious for delaying commitments such as child rearing, car ownership, and home ownership until, quote, Societal and economic circumstances make it practical for them to do so." Certain services and smartphone apps are tailored for use in cities. Bike share programs, Uber, Zipcar, and Airbnb, for example, allow urbanites to share resources and consume responsibly. Overall, the adolescents of this era seem to be more prone to connectedness and efficiency for several external, economic, and cultural reasons, just as suburbanites were prone to individualism due to the economic and cultural environment of the middle 20th century. Smart city planning refines the mistakes of early urban planners. According to McKinnon, urban revitalization affects post-industrial cities and societies, typically Western ones, that have already experienced urbanization. Smart cities are sustainable alternatives to the inefficient conditions of suburbanization. According to a model developed by Frost and Sullivan, the core attributes of a smart city are identified as smart education and governance, smart healthcare, smart building, smart mobility, smart infrastructure, smart technology, smart energy, and smart citizens. The field of urban planning is concerned with four of the listed attributes of a smart city. Those are smart buildings, smart infrastructure, smart mobility, and smart citizens. Singh points out, quote, It is important to make cities not only green, but efficient, end quote. Efficiency is the act of avoiding wastes of resources such as time, space, and material. The explosion in discourse surrounding sustainability and efficiency in urban planning is very much related to technology and consumerism. The motivations behind urban revitalization can be better understood through a historical analysis. The current changes occurring in American cities have roots in economic and environmental renewal. The Campaign for Sustainable Urban Revitalization is typically referred to as smart growth. The smart growth movement was intended to reverse the negative economic and environmental consequences of suburbanization, such as car dependency, urban sprawl, population loss, and economic decline in metropolitan areas between the 1950s and the 1980s. Consequently, smart growth has resulted in a major migration shift that has changed and continues to change the unconventional land use patterns of suburbanization in American cities. The United States first experienced urbanization in the early 1900s. Then, an influx of American laborers, foreign immigrants, and African-Americans sought employment in factories in the North and the Midwest. Overpopulation eventually caused unsanitary conditions and high crime, which reduced the desirability of residences in the city. However, the members of society able to leave the city and pursue a better quality of life in the suburbs were predominantly white, middle-class people. The rise of suburbanization from the 1950s to the 1970s caused the migration of predominantly white homeowners from cities to residential areas outside of the cities, which consequently led to the economic decay and population decline in urban cores. Several political, social, and cultural changes coincided to accelerate suburbanization. There were laws and practices used that lured homeowners to relocate back to the suburbs. Generous mortgage loans and the Interstate Highway Act were benefits offered by the federal government to ease the possibility of suburban life. The GI Bill of 1944 granted loans to World War II veterans, predominantly white males, to purchase houses outside of the city, attend college, and receive unemployment. Policies that enabled the possibility of owning a suburban home started a cultural trend as well. Following the Second World War, a suburban lifestyle became the status quo. It was common to live outside of the zones where one worked and played. Affordable cars and convenient highways gave consumers the freedom to travel long distances easily and therefore live further from where they worked and shopped. The American dream of social mobility, independence, and freedom manifested itself in a single family home in the suburbs. Institutional racism also contributed to population loss and economic decline in cities across the country. Change is natural and improvement is rarely rejected. But what has triggered criticism against urban revitalization is the targeting of neighborhoods that were intentionally disenfranchised by the government, investors, and city planners in the past, the same stakeholders advancing the smart growth movement today. Investors engaged in redlining, which prevented immigrants and African Americans from owning houses in certain neighborhoods, and blockbusting the sale of houses in a predominantly white neighborhood to minorities in order to scare other white neighbors into moving and selling their houses below market value. Social conflicts, such as the desegregation of schools and race riots, expedited white flight from the city. Due to the political, cultural, and social changes that prompted and accelerated suburbanization, white flight, and disinvestment, Urban cores experienced decay and gained the negative stereotype commonly associated with the inner city. Businesses relocated to industrial parks near the highway to be closer to employees. Inner city economies suffered from a loss of the middle class income tax base. Income tax and property taxes from businesses. Consequently, public schools lagged and infrastructure decayed. Consequently, public schools lagged and infrastructure decayed. The inner city developed the reputation as unsafe and inhabited by predominantly minority and low-income residents. In Washington, D.C., quote, 1950 marked the start of the white exodus to the suburbs. In only two decades, the white population fell by over 300,000 people. D.C. became majority black in the 1950s. Similar population trends have occurred around the country, accounting for the population decline and the economic decline of several major cities. The trend of suburbanization has reversed in recent years. The population of white residents in Washington, D.C. has recently increased to 210,000, as recently as 2010, and it is still climbing. This pattern of urban revitalization has also occurred in cities around the country. Now, college-educated Americans are flocking to cities to pursue a new ideal lifestyle. According to a survey by the City Observatory, quote, 25 to 34 year olds with college degrees living within three miles of a downtown area have increased dramatically, 37% nationally over roughly the last decade, end quote. In Boston, 3.4% of newcomers were millennials compared to the neighboring city of Cambridge which welcomed 6.7% and Washington DC which saw 3.6% new millennial residents. In addition to creating infrastructural changes, many American cities are successfully attracting college-educated millennials and fulfilling the goals of becoming smart cities, from environmental new urbanism to capitalistic smart growth. Gentrification is a stigmatized synonym for urban revitalization. It is typically a critique of an influx of middle-class residents to previously low-income neighborhoods. Gentrification is measured in numerous ways, by increases in populations of college-educated residents, increases in median income, amounts of reinvestment projects in previously impoverished neighborhoods, increases in populations of white residents, or increases in property values. The commonly identified and criticized characteristics of gentrified cities listed above are direct results of smart growth planning strategies. Smart growth is a modern manifestation of new urbanism. The new urbanist movement initially advocated for environmental sustainability. Planners and architects who endorsed the movement combated the dominant planning style of the 21st century which prompted single-family homes, automobile dependency, and single-use zoning of commercial and residential districts. However, as an environmental movement alone, new urbanism was unsuccessful, until the economic potential of new urbanist planning was realized. The most helpful strategy in attracting new residents, both businesses and the labor force alike, is placemaking. Smart Growth America is an organization that researches the effectiveness of sustainable urban planning policies and assists cities and towns in implementing those policies, according to the website. Smart Growth America advocates for compact city planning, also known as walkability a phenomenon that encompasses all smart growth strategies which serve to reverse automobile dependency and urban sprawl. In an interview with the communications representative at the Smart Growth America office in Washington, D.C. last summer, I asked whether she believed that the transit-oriented development caused gentrification. Defensively, she turned to her computer and pulled up an article with a bold entitled that read something like, Transit-oriented development does not cause gentrification. She concluded the discussion with a paradoxical statement that obviously property values do increase around transit-oriented development, but it does not cause gentrification. This is from my own research that I did in 2015 in Washington, D.C., and that is a quote pulled directly from my research. According to the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development website, development located in or near downtown areas and valuable amenities such as public transportation, restaurants, and entertainment are classified as Class A and Class B properties. These classifications determine numerous things, but especially the suggested value of a building and rent of units within. Class A and Class B properties are typically more expensive. Therefore, de facto, the development that smart growth advocates for in the urban core inevitably does and will cause gentrification. Despite its environmental roots, smart growth has real economic implications, which is both the downfall of the movement, but also its most beneficial aspect. Recognition of smart growth's economic potential was the beginning of the exploitation of the smart city and its common features as commodities. The success of the movement in boosting demographics of college-educated adults has made clear the growing sense of entitlement millennials have developed to access, convenience, efficiency, and connectedness. That concludes section one, which was titled Urbanization, The Global Narrative. And that was my background section. Section two is about placemaking, globalization, and smartphone use. The greatest tool for the success of smart growth is placemaking. The recruitment of millennials thus far is evidence that cities satisfy their preferences. The urban lifestyle seems to complement contemporary culture. All of the opportunities and resources and the ease at which they are available resonate with the millennial lifestyle. Smart growth planning is successful because it solicits convenience and access, which are products of globalization, the very phenomena that drives urban revitalization altogether. In the next two sections, theories of globalization and time-space distanciation will be used to explain the significance of place. Then, the theories will be applied to explain how technology use has changed American culture, consumption habits, and consequently, the places millennials choose to live. Globalization, geography is not dead. Smart growth achieves its environmental mission by strategically appealing to businesses and potential residents through placemaking, a process akin to branding. Urban planning as a field has transformed since the dawn of zoning in the middle of the 20th century. Urban planning has changed from a predominantly top-down field to a field largely dependent on feedback and collaboration across various levels of society. Modern planning relies on the efforts of the government to offer developers and businesses tax incentives, business districts for community development, and resident participation to inform planning strategies. Contrary to the theory that geography is dead due to globalization, there has been an increase in the significance of place, which requires cities to be innovative in their efforts to recruit a young labor force. Urban population growth and the number of businesses relocating to urban cores can be attributed to a rebranding of mixed-use development, improved public transportation, and other features of a smart city as more than environmental benefits, but as desirable amenities as well. Globalization and multimedia technology, like smartphones, provide a platform for and raise the profiles of developed and developing cities, which increases competition to attract college-educated millennials. Globalization refers to the dispersing of social networks and economic, cultural, and political exchange across the globe. Globalization goes as far back as imperialism, perhaps further, but in the past century or two, it has been influenced, quote, above all by developments in systems of communication, end quote, especially the radio, the television, the computer, and most recently, the smartphone. Giddens claimed that time and space were interdependent until communication technologies allowed social networks to spread further apart while achieving relay times closer to real time, despite the distance. Time-space distanciation, or time-space compression, is defined as the disembedding of social activities from fixed spaces, creating the illusion of speed and closeness of distant events. Giddens explained that place is the, quote, spatial dimension of social life, dominated by presence, by localized activities. That is what place is, end quote. Communication technology like the telegraph, the phone, and the radio allowed people to interact and at least consume information without direct contact with one another, and often from the comfort of one's home. Before transitioning into a discussion of density, the most commonly advertised attribute of urban life, Insight into the process of placemaking is necessary. Many skeptics believe that eventually, globalization would diminish the importance of presence in physical space. However, considering the importance of placemaking in the 21st century, the contrary has occurred. Giddens theorized that though globalization, quote, diminishes some aspects of nationalism, end quote, in many cases it creates, quote, pressure for local autonomy and regional cultural identity, end quote. Florida, in 2004, explains why globalization has in fact made place more important. Contrary to pessimistic premillennial predictions that geography is dead. He presents the theory that there are two sides of globalization. The first is the geographic dispersion of routine economic functions such as manufacturing and service work. The second less obvious side to globalization is the tendency for higher levels of activity to cluster in a relatively small number of locations. He continues to say that place is an important tool for economic development. Companies can produce efficiently when clustered near other companies, but especially near a supply of skilled college graduates, what he refers to as the creative class. Florida promoted the idea that the cities and millennials are the drivers of revitalization and therefore ideal assets necessary to the accomplishment of smart growth. Placemaking has been used to compete with other cities in the country and in the world that possess the similar goal to attract a college-educated workforce. Riza uses the analogy of branding to explain the concept of placemaking. Riza described recent placemaking efforts on behalf of municipal governments as business-like approaches to economic growth. She asserts that prospective residents demand quality of life and that a city's officials can improve its quality of life by improving the city's image. Quality of life is a phenomenon that refers to, quote, feeling of well-being, fulfillment, or satisfaction on the part of the residents or visitors to a place, end quote. Riza considers rising competition among cities as one of the effects of globalization, end quote. She adds, quote, the contemporary city has to be updated continuously. In that sense, cities develop strategies to support, to sell, and advertise them within the global market, end quote. Placemaking can take place at the infrastructural level or at the cultural level. The Smart Growth Campaign utilizes several marketing techniques to sell walkability by advertising neighborhoods like commodities, promoting benefits like choice, entertainment, and convenience, characteristics typically advertised to sell smartphones and other technology, Placemaking in a gentrifying neighborhood is like creating a brand to establish a unique sense of community. A business improvement district, also known as a BID, is a coalition of businesses in a commercial district that agree to pay additional taxes to improve a neighborhood's quality of life. With the belief that large-scale city planning threatens the characters of small neighborhoods, Many business owners engage in small scale revitalization and focus on the design, quote, and marketing of specific locales, end quote. In addition to services like street cleaning and security, many BIDs develop logos, creative neighborhood names, and websites embellished with strategic designs that culminate into a brand. For example, when I was doing my research in D.C., I learned that there was a neighborhood located on North Massachusetts Avenue that had recently been renamed NOMA. And it is one of the 10 BIDs in Washington, D.C. with a website. BID websites use color schemes and design elements to establish their brands. Some even have slogans like the Georgetown slogan, come out and play. The brand of a neighborhood becomes a helpful, competitive tool for marketing its amenities, diversity, and overall quality of life to prospective residents and tourists. Walkability and density are advantages of urban space that have simultaneously served prospective residents' preferences, the city's economic goals, and the environmental motives of smart growth. However, urban revitalization would be virtually impossible if placemaking efforts fail to attract new evidence in businesses. Strategic placemaking campaigns seem to portray walkability and density as merchandises so that the impact of the two attributes on the economy and environment can be perceived as benefits to residents and businesses that cities aim to attract. Cities have successfully attracted college-educated millennials and received investments from businesses relocated downtown. It is claimed that businesses chase the labor force and apparently millennials prefer urban, walkable, and vibrant places of residence, features that were not criteria for a similar demographic during the era of suburbanization. Walkability and permeability of space. Walkability reduces the need for car use in cities but it is also allegedly a preference of millennials to transition between work, entertainment, and home with ease and speed. Walkability is achieved through a combination of infrastructural and architectural changes. It includes more connected streets, shorter blocks, but especially mixed zones and mixed-use development. A neighborhood that is a mixed zone more than likely contains mixed-use development. Mixed-use development is a style of architecture that combines residential and commercial property. Neighborhoods that are predominantly filled with mixed-use development are referred to as live, work, play neighborhoods. Mixed-use development is a popular design in gentrified cities, often found in neighborhoods near public transportation or downtown areas. Typically, mixed-use development features stores and restaurants on the street level, and apartments or corporate offices on the top levels. Simultaneity and permeability of space are terms in mass communication that refer to the qualities of internet space similar to those of mixed-use zones. It is possible that these qualities of internet space draw millennials to prefer walkable neighborhoods. Though internet spaces can be as exclusive as a building with a door and a lock, most public internet spaces are permeable and allow simultaneity. Chan and Camp define simultaneity and permeability as follows. Simultaneity is a state of being triggered by the presence of permeable spatial barriers. Quote, Simultaneity refers to the ability of a person to be two places at once, at work and at a train station. Permeability is the ability of barriers between spatial, organizational, and traditional barriers to be made less powerful or effective with the adoption of information technology. Simultaneity is a state of being triggered by the presence of permeable spatial barriers. On a smartphone, the barriers between work-related features like the calendar and email, games, and personal data are highly permeable. Someone can send a work-related email and moments later, tend to their Facebook profile. Samsung Galaxy phones have a dual screen option that allows a user, if they please, to check Facebook while sending a work-related email. Most spatial boundaries are permeable. Permeability refers to the ease or difficulty with which one is able to permeate spatial boundaries. Single-use zoning encouraged a dependency on cars and highways. Distance became an obstacle to traveling between zones with ease. Traveling between destinations is time-consuming, especially when most American cities enforced single-use zoning at some time and separated retail, residential, business, and commercial districts. Schultz & Scully in 2006 explained that as our schedules get more hectic, we desire to live in neighborhoods where our jobs, homes, and entertainment are closer to make it easier to travel between engagements. Mixed-use development alters barriers of work, play, and home life. Live-work-play areas achieve permeability of space similar to smartphones. Density and media saturation. Population density is a common trait of urbanized regions and an obvious result of mixed-use development. Density is not a goal of smart growth. It is an effect that has been taken advantage of by businesses, developers, and the government. Though it is also commonly enjoyed by residents and tourists, BIDs and the planning commissioners target college-educated workers ages 18 to 30, choosing a city to live and work in as if they assess a city's quality of life the same way as they assess the quality of a smartphone for its ability to inform and entertain with breath, ease, and speed. Dense populations in mixed neighborhoods offer various and plentiful amenities that supposedly appeal to and enhance quality of life for millennials accustomed to frequent high-volume consumption. Prospective residents and visitors can assess a city's quality of life in terms of practical amenities as well as entertainment options. Major contributions to a resident's quality of life can include basic needs such as green space, hospitals, jobs, and laundromats but also restaurants, performance venues, movie theaters, commercial districts, and bars. Residential zones in the suburbs are predominantly occupied by single-family homes, which leads to low population density. High-rise apartments accommodate more tenants and thus increase population density. Therefore, high density is a helpful component to the success of smart growth. Mixed-use high-density development Like high-rise apartment complexes, key markers of a gentrified neighborhood are efficient and profitable means for the redirection of population growth into disinvested city centers and the containment of urban sprawl. Consumerism increases with access to a disposable income and is shaped by time-space distanciation. Explorations of the types of consumerism available via smartphones should reveal the motivation behind the exploitation of mixed-use development and density by way of placemaking. Like smartphones, high-density and mixed-use development, especially in an urban core, offers residents exposure to a variety and abundance of experiences, people, and places. The immense amount of information and experiences people can consume simultaneously on smartphones likely explains why population density, vibrant culture, and a multitude of options are criteria for a positive quality of life in a city for those accustomed to smartphone use. Two activities often completed on smartphones include economic consumerism and digital media consumption. For the purpose of this paper, the term consumerism refers to the purchases of services and material goods that are not exactly necessities. In regards to digital media consumption, I'm going to discuss social interaction mediated through social networking. In regards to the communication technology that preceded the smartphone. Time-space distanciation occurred between the source of information to the consumer by television, phone, or computer at a set location, typically at a home or an office. The portable smartphone directly mediates interactions across space and time for the smartphone owners at virtually any time of the day from anywhere. Smartphones have revolutionized consumer culture by altering our expectations of what people are able to consume and how soon people can consume a service or a product, no matter where it is produced. Perhaps the millennial generation appeals to the smart growth campaign because it highlights potential benefits of walkable communities reminiscent of the implicit characteristics of portable digital technology. Population density offers an experience similar to media saturation, the amount of exposure one has to media outlets. Online shopping websites and applications allow users to access millions of services and products from around the world to purchase and receive them as soon as the next day. Dating apps, same-day delivery, and increased internet speed, especially for video streaming, are some technological advances that are changing consumers' perceptions of instant. Mixed-use development provides similar opportunities for consumption. Development that combines condominiums, restaurants, and convenience stores promise constant activity and a slew of customers for surrounding businesses. A 24-hour city is made possible when residential development and commercial development like homes, restaurants, and clubs attract visitors to corporate districts beyond the hours of 9 to 5. Public spaces such as parks and seating areas outside of restaurants welcome people to crowd downtown areas without any particular intentions to purchase anything. Yet attractive and abundant retail signs can entice wanderers to window shop or in some cases make purchases. Walkable neighborhoods welcome spontaneous shopping and fast food consumption. Dense and connected commercial centers create traffic which is beneficial for businesses but the convenience of walkable centers benefits residents as well. Just as nearby shops welcome spontaneous consumption, they allow for responsible consumption. An abundance of shops is not always a negative influence. During emergencies, such as before a big interview or when one is low on money and groceries, one could purchase a suit for an interview or eat at a cheap fast food restaurant nearby without spending the gas money to drive to such establishments. Density is a successful attribute to promote when placemaking because it benefits the two main targets of smart growth, businesses and residents. Central business districts are not just conglomerations of local stores and boutiques. They are a nexus for the global market and culture, but this is not new. Prior to the internet, central business districts were the only epicenters of global culture, possibly beside libraries. Globalization is largely recognized as an economic phenomenon because of international trade. Giddens gave the example of how the events in a local neighborhood are likely to be influenced by factors such as world money and commodity markets operating at an indefinite distance. Globalization is largely recognized as an economic phenomenon because of international trade. Giddens gave the example of how the events in a local neighborhood are likely to be influenced by, quote, factors such as world money and commodity markets, operating at an indefinite distance from the neighborhood itself, end quote. A common criticism of gentrification is the proliferation of chain restaurants and coffee shops such as Starbucks. Giddens' claim agrees with McKinnon's argument that the changes occurring in Western societies are not due to urbanization. Commonplace chain stores and cafes are evidence that gentrification is undeniably a result of globalization. Reading my thesis again makes me realize that it is more of a follow-up to the globalization debate caused by the Industrial Revolution than it is an argumentative paper proving some magical link between smartphones and smart cities. I believe my message was hidden in my analysis, though it missed the mark. I analyzed gentrification as a product of globalization, trade, racism, technology, art, as proof that gentrification challenges a concept of public space work, home, and leisure. My intention was to offer creative placemaking as not only a vehicle for gentrification but also a possible solution to combat its negative effects. Most importantly I see it as an opportunity to take advantage of the benefits that it has for small business owners of color and low-income artists of color.